Good morning, church. Good morning. <laughs> um, when I hear that, when I hear that worship song, I, I, I think of uh, right, taste and see <laughs> that the Lord is good, right? Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I, I had a intense week, and uh, it was cool to see the Lord reveal how. You know, he knows what we need before we need it. And he meets every single need accordingly. And I was just blown away how uh, the, the circumstances of events that unfold, in, unfolded, excuse me, in my personal life, you know, the Lord was there every step of the way. And, and I could rejoice in the end of everything because I, I found my refreshment. I found my encouragement. I found my security and my comfort and my refuge in Jesus Christ. And that just strengthened my faith and encouraged me on throughout the week. Uh, and so, you know, Lord willing, I stand before you this morning. Uh, I have one quick announcement. And so uh, Labor Day weekend, hopefully people will be available and they'll be here in town. Um, we're, uh, we booked a taco truck. And so that Sunday, we'll, we're going to have service out at the, uh, the park right next to the church building where uh, when Pastor Nick was here, we would have our, our summer uh, you know, sessions once a month. We're, we're going to be there and uh, we're going to have uh, you know, a semi-short service. We plan on uh, eating between a quarter to 12 and 12 o'clock. So please, uh, if you're here uh, Labor Day weekend, that Sunday, I think it's the first Sunday of September, please come by. Uh, bring your own chairs. I'm not really trying to bring chairs out and do all that, but uh, you know, chairs. If you have a canopy, I don't know. You want to do that? That's fine. Uh, no masks are required. <laughs> You're outside. You don't worry about the mask thing. And enjoy some good Mexican food and some fellowship and uh, kind of just a, 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 a closing of the book of Acts as we finish Acts and kind of a closing to the summer and just a way to kind of reconnect outside of this building. I know we have prayer groups and whatnot, but just a way to just fellowship and kind of hang out. Um, if you have any questions or anything, please uh, contact my wife or talk to Veronica after the service, and she'll be glad to um, help you uh, however she can. So uh, with that, um, I'm not going to have you stand this morning because uh, we're introducing the book of Revelation. Oh, man, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just mind-blowing. Uh, I, I do believe in God's perfect timing. And there's no time like the present to begin to dive into this very important book in Scripture and uh, how relevant it is to our time that we're living in nowadays. I'm going to start with a side note, you know, because I, I, I do like uh, I, I think I think it's 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 very imperative that we not be ostriches with our head in the sand. Uh, about the th uh, events and things that are going on in our world and in our society. By the same note, I think it's unhealthy when we grow in uh, an obsession about things. But I think it's, it's healthy for us to be aware of what's going on, right? I think it'd be foolish for us to turn a blind eye to uh, the things going on in society, in our world, and then wonder what's going on. I think... Uh, uh, Lou did a great job of, of presenting uh, that case last week as he, he shared information that, again, that stuck so much in my head throughout this week. Uh, many, many things that some people don't know, don't care to know, or turn a blind eye to. And let us as the church not be those people. Let us be those to be aware of circumstances and situations around us. And let those circumstances and situations drive us closer to Jesus. Amen? And not down into getting into all kind of other stuff that we need no business spending our precious time on earth, uh, you know, uh, following after. But, you know, as I was uh, going through my AOL account, yes, I still use AOL. <laughs> Dinosaur of an of a account, but, you know, um, it's probably worth some money. So old. But, um, you know, there's a headline and it struck me, and I shared this with Daniel on, I think, Thursday night in our little, our, men, our men's prayer group. But, uh, you know, this headline said, uh, Robin from Batman comes out. Uh. What? What? You know, that's where we are as a society that, uh, you know, comic book characters, Marvel comic book characters 
or having the personality of saying, I, I go this way. This is how I express my sexuality. And I just, I just thought that striking because, again, these subtle ways that the enemy is trying to indoctrinate young people, a young generation, into everything's okay. Anything flies. I can do whatever I want. And, and, and then I was, uh, you know, I'm, again, you guys know I'm a sports guy, so I'll, I'll try to find any kind of sport that's on. Pretty much I'll watch. Uh, and, you know, I have the guide on a lot of times because there's things during the commercials that I don't want to see or I don't want my children to see. And Xfinity always has a space bar that tells you something that's going on. And I noticed Xfinity said something about, uh, you know, the LGBTQ movement, if I'm saying that correctly, that someone representing that movement has been embedded or flushed into every level of government in the United States to promote inclusion. And again, I thought that is so striking because here we are, we're just thrusting this into the throats of people and trying to get them to swallow this unholy truth. Oh, it's not a truth at all, but it's an unholy lie that uh, has been permeating throughout our society. But then the Lord had to bring me back and remind me, uh, again, no coincidence, the book of Revelation. You know, when John was uh, writing the things that he was seeing that the Lord was revealing to him, John marveled. He marveled. How, how could man be so wicked as to act in the manner in which man was acting in these accounts that John was writing down? And the Lord had to ask him, why are you amazed? Why are you amazed? Do you forget the nature, the heart of mankind that is deceitfully wicked? And the Lord had to remind me, Keefing, <laughs> do you remember how deceitfully wicked the heart of man is? Do I remember how deceitfully wicked my own heart is? And apart from Jesus Christ ushering me to himself and being uh, forgiven of my sins and being replenished and renewed with the new man, Jesus Christ, on that I could be in that same boat. And so I began to say, okay, Lord, no, I'm not surprised. I'm grateful that I'm on this side of your wrath and that I have the ultimate responsibility to share the love of Jesus Christ and to warn people of the impending judgment, righteous judgment that is coming upon. No, it's okay. It'll, it'll turn off. No worries. You know, no worries. No big deal. But, you know, it just struck me. It just struck me so deeply and profoundly. This is where we're at. And so, again, it's a great time to get into this book. Before I give an overview, and that's kind of what today's message is. There, there will be scripture. Of course, we're never going to come here and not be scripture. Then it wouldn't be church. It'd just be a social club. But we're, we're going to be going through an overview of the book of Revelation and what we can expect to unearth as we get into God's word. But I want to start with Psalm 91. And we're not going to read that whole chapter, but I'm going to give a brief synopsis, if you will, of just the first verse. And it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, that's beautiful. That is so powerful. Christians love to quote it. Not all Christians really understand the depth of what this means and how we can obtain this protection abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. You see, to dwell in the shelter of the Most High means that you and I have a constant communion with God. Constant, meaning ongoing meaning a lifestyle of connection, meaning whether you're down, prostrate, on your face, pouring out your heart to Him, whether you're doing the dishes, hearing from the Lord, whether you're listening to worship music or studying the Word of God, but there's a back and forth going on. There's that communion. We all understand that. Communion is not simply the grape juice and the cracker, right? That's, just, that's, that's, a, that's a symbol now, it shouldn't be taken lightly as we take, partake in those elements. There should be a reverent fear lest we 
bring judgment upon ourselves as we loosely take it and we trample upon the blood of Jesus Christ. But that same analogy can pertain to any aspect of your life. We understand that, right? We don't want to be those who trample upon the blood of Jesus Christ as, as if it's commonplace. And so understanding to be under the shelter of the Most High means it's constant communion. It's a lifestyle of communication with Him, having a relationship with Him. You see, excuse me, it's easy to dwell in the shelter of the Most High when we have problems. <laughs> Oh, I'm ready to you. Jesus, I have a problem. Help me. Oh, I'm, I'm tight with you. I'm going to listen to you. And as soon as that problem goes away, oh, we slowly start to creep away from him. And we're like, oh, I don't really find it as important to start my day on my knees before the Lord. Oh, I got to get up and get my cup of coffee. I got to get up and get to work because it's so busy. Or I got to get up on Zoom, <laughs> get ready for work. But we, we fail to carve out that time for God. You see, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Is our lack of communion with Jesus Christ. You see, many problems in our lives stem out of the fact that we fail to have a real deep ongoing, constant, my life revolves around my relationship with Jesus Christ. As a Christian, your life must revolve around Him. He must take center stage. It's not fanatical. It's understanding what's really, truly going on. Revelation. The revealing. His truth being revealed to you should influence you to move in that manner where you put him first, where you put him only on the throne of your heart. Until you're in that place, you will struggle with being under the shelter of the Most High. You see, because some people will say, well, well I am a real Christian. I am devoted to Jesus. But I have these problems. He's not coming through for him. And, and, and I really believe that some of the church, unfortunately, is deceived in confusing situations that God allows to flow through his hands, that develop us, that sanctify us, and we regard them as evil. If you look at that chapter, chapter 91, look. He says he will be with you in problems. He never said you're not going to have problems. He never said your life isn't going to be painful. He never said your life is not going to be difficult and hardships aren't going to come. We would be foolish to think that we're going to live this carefree life where nothing is ever going to bother us and we're just going to be okay. But what he does say is evil will not have its place to influence you if you stay under the shelter of the Most High. Well, now you may, may ask, how do I stay in the shelter of the Most High? Well, again, it's the relationship. It's the fellowship that you have with Him. You continue to have a close, tight-knit relationship with Jesus Christ. You will be under the shelter of the Most High. And, you know, though difficult things will come in your life, that is His chisel. Those difficult circumstances, those circumstances. Because no, none of us like it. I don't like it. When I'm being corrected. Because it hurts. It's painful. But that's the chiseling of the potter. Us being on the potter's wheel. Being sanctified. So you see church. We need to clearly understand the difference. Between what is evil. And what the Lord is allowing into our lives. For our own refinement. And this ties directly into the book of Revelation. As we'll begin now to unpack. What we can look forward to. In studying the book of Revelation. Okay. This is, this is great, okay? This book in the Bible is the conclusion of all things. You see, most people, they can't wait until they get to the end of a, of, of a suspenseful novel or movie, right? Who, who's ever watched a, a certain movie where, you know, there's so many twists and turns. A lot of those Neum, uh, what are, what, uh, yeah, a lot of his movies, they're like that, where it's like, 
oh man, what's going on? You know, this, oh man, I got to figure it out. And then, you know, finally you figure it out at the end, like, oh wow. Or if you're smart, like my wife, she'll be, she'll nudge me like 45 minutes into the movie and be like, I, I think I've got it figured out. <laughs> you know, um, I don't think the book of Revelation is like that necessarily per se, but this is the culmination of events that are going to lead to the conclusion of all things. You see, people are at the edge of their seats waiting for the outcome of the story. Well, as well as in life, the book of Revelation is this for us. It's the conclusion of all things. The definition of the word revelation is this, an act of revealing or communicating divine truth, something that is revealed by God to humans. So first and foremost, I want to say this is a book that we shouldn't be intimidated by. Okay. now, yes, a reverent fear and respect for God as we dive into this book, but not the whole I need 25 charts and this and that. It, you know, come on now. <laughs> if it's God revealing something to us then it's something he clearly wants us to know. Now, I'm not bashing all, all charts. I, I think some have their place. But we can go off into a whole gambit of things that are unscriptural, that are man in man's eyes, what he thinks is wisdom, and they are not pertaining to what the book says. Revelation. The revelation is simple. It is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. He is the subject of this book. You see, the book of Revelation is not about beast. It's not about the bowls of God's wrath, though they have their place. The book of Revelation is all about the glory of Jesus Christ revealed. Remember, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. We know this verse, right? I'll paraphrase it. But the seed of the woman, right? It will crush the head of the serpent. What was he talking about? He's talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He will obliterate once and for all the one who is responsible for bringing sin into this world. The one who rebelled in heaven, right? In heavenly places, remember, we fight, against not, we fight not against flesh and blood, excuse me, but against spiritual principalities in high places, right? This is what that verse is talking about. You see, the book of Revelation is the only prophetic book in the New Testament. There are 17 prophetic books in the Old Testament, but only one in the New as we begin to look further and further and, and, and peel back the onion of this and, 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 under, and discover what Revelation is all about, we'll find out that it doesn't originate or begin anything. Again, rather, it concludes what has already taken place within Scripture. There are over 500, that's a lot, 500 references in Revelation to the Old Testament. So understand this, church, as we go through this study, your understanding of the book of Revelation will greatly depend on your understanding of the Old Testament. And this is, again, bridging the gap, showing that it takes, as it's been said, what? A whole Bible to make a whole Christian. You can't pick and choose. That's what a lot of people are doing right now. Oh, I want this. Oh, I don't want that. We need the whole counsel of God undisturbed, undeterred by man's opinion or man's agenda, saying, we want this, we don't want that. Take it all as it is or leave it. <laughs> because it's not a good look to just pick and choose and poke and prod. So, you know, next time you're thumbing through numbers, Leviticus, don't, don't think it's boring. You know, ask God for wisdom. Ask him for help to understand what's going on. You know, and if need be, get you a good, solid commentary that could, you can help cross-reference what's going on. But, but, I mean, there's resources out there, right? There's no reason why we should be ignorant of what's in the Word of God. Only the fact that our hearts have turned away from Him. And what does He say? Return to your first love. Put me first. 
You know, the more we give over our lives to Jesus Christ, we'll begin to find that it's not boring at all. This is the greatest book ever written, ever recorded. You want drama? Oh, man, get in the word of God. My gosh, it's crazy that's going on. You know, I mean, when I, you know, I was going through, uh, you know, Genesis with, with, with my son, Kalos, and, you know, we stumble upon, you know, what's going on with, with Lot and his daughters. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> how do, Lord, how do you want me to communicate this to the kid? Oh, man, you know, because they're having ancestral relations because they want to prolong the family lineage and all this. And I mean, it's that's drama. Oh, my gosh. Jersey Shore ain't got nothing on it or whatever is popular today. Stacy and Darcy. I don't know. I see that nonsense uh, ad going on TLC. Craziness. That's drama for you, man. You know, but it's again, the whole unequivocal counsel of God's word. This is what the book of Revelation reveals to us, and it's in Jesus Christ. You see, John, the Apostle John, the writer of this book, he, he, he is used to reach back into eternity past to make known to us that Jesus Christ is the centerpiece, the chief cornerstone of the Bible. Remember in the book of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's not confusing. He was in the beginning with God. Speaking of God the Father, the Trinity, right? The Holy Spirit. All things were made through Him. And without Him, not anything made that was made. It's not cryptic. It's not some, oh, I can't get it. Now, we need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment to rightfully divide the Word of God. But when the Holy Spirit reveals this to you, it's, it's plain and, and, and simple to those of us whose hearts are no longer darkened. Our minds are no longer darkened. The eyes of our hearts are no longer blind to the reality of God's word. It makes perfectly clear sense because this is something principle that the Lord God wants to reveal to us so we understand that we have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is to not only him, but to us. You know, I, I was, uh, me and Daniel and Michelle were talking earlier this morning and had made a comment. And the Lord had shown me this a couple weeks ago. It's crazy. You know, uh, what is it, Ichabod Crane, headless horseman, right? There's a lot of headless churches running around right now. A lot of headless churches. Again, they've strayed away from their first love. They're no longer taking orders from Jesus Christ. He's no longer the head. They've made a man the head. They've made a council the head. They've made some elder group the head. And those people aren't governing the church in the right way. We need to remember that we are the body, not the head. I don't care what political figure saying what. I don't care what mandate saying what. I don't care what's going on in the world. Take your orders from Jesus Christ. You know? If not, then we're running frantic over every little thing that's going on. But are you dwelling under the shelter of the Most High? If Jesus Christ is your head, then you are. If not, then you're tripping out on all these things that are coming out in the news every day. And, you know, it's so I, I, I met with Pastor Tim this past week, and it, it was a great refresher for me to just get some things off my chest and get the counsel I needed from another godly man. And, you know, he, he said something very, uh, very important to me. He said, you know, who has the time to really unearth all this stuff? He said, I'm agnostic to all this stuff going on. Whether the vaccine helps, whether it doesn't help, whether a mask helps, whether a mask doesn't help. Because there's so much misinformation and miscommunication going on. I don't got the time to be spending all my days doing that. I'm going to seek Jesus Christ. And from this pulpit, you're going to get Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that can fix everything. He's the only one that can keep you together and not have you unravel at the seams because this world is unraveling right before your eyes. Amen. Yes. Amen. And that just gave me so much peace. I mean, I was, I was literally hurting. You know, I was, oh, I was, and I'm not, well, I am one to cry, but, you know, I was about to tear up before that man because my heart was so grieved by the things I was going through. And to just hear 
You're not crazy. You're hearing from the Holy Spirit. You continue to seek the Lord and don't let anything else deter you from that. That was what I needed. That's what I needed to continue to move on. Not that I was going to quit, but you know, it's real. We go through depression. We go through dark times where we're like, man, this is tough, Lord. And it just, re- it just reaffirmed what these old saints went through in the Old Testament. When all these Jews were saying, you got to wash your hands and let the water drip like this. And you can't do this and you can't do that. And you got to adhere by all these extra laws that we provided. But they denounced and denied the Messiah. Wonder why Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. He's like, man, I'm pouring my heart out to you about what I believe the Lord is showing me. And none of you guys are repenting. It's just falling on deaf ears. Week in, week out, year in, year out. You know, but he remained faithful because it's not about what's going on in society. It's about what Jesus Christ is going to do through the church in society to make a difference. And I'll say this real quick. It's not about America. It's not about America. There's a lot going on with some churches that are pushing this so hard. It's about the church. Let the church shine and you'll see what happens. Stop bringing all this other stuff into it. If you think we're going back to what happened back in the day when the Puritans came from England, it's not happening. Wake up and stop thinking that we're going back to that. You can't go back to that if we're moving forward to the Lord's return. Jesus Christ doesn't love an American Christian more than he loves a Venezuelan or an Afghan Christian. So we need to focus on what the church's role is and let everything stem from that. Now, I'm not saying what some churches are doing is wrong. I'm not here to point that out. All I'm trying to point out is keep the focus, the focus. Keep Jesus at the center. And you'll have a clear conscience and you'll be understanding exactly what you need to do in order to continue to move forward. And in no way am I denouncing the efforts and what has gone on in this great country. As it's been said last week, there's no other place, there's no other place in the world that you could live as the way we do. So I'm in no way denouncing the freedoms we have in America. Please don't get me wrong in that. Don't mince my words. What I'm saying is, (laughs) it it is just what it is, right? Keep your focus on the Lord and it will all work out for your benefit and for your good. And you will rest under the protection and the shelter of the Most High. Will be difficult, will be problems, probably bleed a little bit, whatever, but you will be protected. Amen. All right. We're going to get into now quick several major interpretations of the book of Revelation. I think it's important that we point these out so we can see, you know, what Bible scholars say, but then what really it entails so we can weed out how we should look at this book. Because again, people get nutso over this book, man. We're like, I'm an apostle, this and that. It's like, chill out, calm down. Let's let God speak to us because it ain't cryptic. It ain't that crazy. I mean, it's crazy in the sense of all the things going on in it. But he makes it crystal clear. God doesn't pull any punches. He's not Satan. He's not the author of confusion and lies. He makes it able for you to see clearly what he's trying to reveal to you. Okay? So this first interpretation is the preterist uh, interpretation. And what that basically means is some of those who came up with this interpretation back in the day, they thought that all of Revelation has been fulfilled in the past. That it had to do with things that were going on in the Apostle John's day. That the purpose of this book was to comfort the persecuted church. Now hear me now. While God's people in all time periods, all time periods, right? Need comfort and have been persecuted. This interpretation is not correct. It's not correct because of this main thing. It fails to acknowledge the second advent or second coming, if you will, of Jesus Christ, as well as many other prophetic events that will occur. See, you know, we can get up in arms about this whole pandemic and the Delta and the blah, 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 blah. 
But we all understand that this is not how the world is going to end, right? Do we understand that? We're clear that this pandemic is not the end. If anything, it is a precursor and it is something that is being used to usher in other unfolding events that are going to occur. You see, we're going to, Lord willing, live through a time where this whole mask, no mask, vast vaccine, not mat, no mat vaccine, excuse me, is going to be child's play compared to the things that we are going to face. There are going to be some, because their mindset's not right, they're going to be wishing, oh, I wish we were back to where we just had to choose to not wear a mask or wear a mask or get vaccine or not get vaccine. Because it's going to become way deeper than this. You know, when they start coming around saying, oh, shut down this church. You can't practice this anymore. We're taking away your whatever, your... 4013CB, you know, ask Lou about that. We got all the paperwork. It's all covered, but I'm not into all that. <laughs> when they start telling us, oh, you, you know, then it's, it, it's getting a lot deeper and it's getting a lot more crazy, you know. When, uh, you know, when, and we see it already. There's all kind of precursors. You have to be living under a rock to not see, man, what is going on? They're really trying to run in some whole new stuff. But there are prophetic events that have not occurred yet. And so, you know what? We throw out that first view because it's not, it's not pertinent. It's not, it's not backed by Scripture. It's not, it's not solidified in the text of what's really going on. Next, we have the historical interpretation. Now, this is the idea that events in Revelation have occurred and continue to occur within the history of the church. Now, there is some truth to this as we will see the condition of the seven churches and if you have studied through revelation you know all about that already but again it fails to identify the second coming of christ the millennial reign and the final righteousness the right excuse me righteous judgment of jesus christ being administered to the world and so while there are some truth to the historical interpretation again some truth, not all truth, it's not, it's not true at all. That's what Satan does. He gives you a little bit of truth with a whole lot of lies, and you suck it up and swallow it down if you're not immersed in God's word. And again, don't have that, that deep, common communion relationship with him for him to help you discern what is true and what is false. Okay, the next interpretation is the historical, spiritual interpretation. Oh, wow, this one's even better. It says, this view holds the same ideas as the last with all the events mentioned in Revelation, but that they're only symbolic. It's all symbolism. It's all symbolism. <laughs> While some events may be seen as symbolic, when the scripture says, all the earth's waters will turn to blood, and every living creature in those waters will die. That is exactly what the text means. It's not symbolic. It's not Kool-Aid in that water. It's really going to happen. The waters of the earth will eventually all turn to blood. And every living creature in that water is going to die. That is part of the righteous judgment of God upon a world that refuses to bend their knee and bow their hearts before the only true and living God. It is the justice that has to be administered. And that's only the beginning. It's going to get worse than that. These are actual events. This interpretation has been extremely dangerous. This is where you get a lot of fanaticals and quacks coming out from the woodworks talking about, I seen this vision and the Lord spoke to me and this is it. And blah, blah, blah. And no, come on now, stop it. Go to the word of God. We don't want to hear what you saying God gave you a vision of. Now, is it in the text? Show me where the word of God shows it to me. Then we can talk. But this whole no reference to scripture, but God showed me that is dangerous. That's how cults happen. And people just going off on their own whim or what they think the book says. No, it has to be backed by scripture. You see, you can minimize the book of Revelation by saying it's merely symbolic. And you don't really give it the, you don't really give it the depth and, and, and the need that it has for the entirety of scripture. And then we have here the last interpretation, the futuristic interpretation. 
This view is held by all premillennialist or premillennialism. You know, people who believe in we're going to go before it gets crazy. That's it. Okay. I don't want to use big words. Let me numb it down, you know, so we can understand what's going on. This is the interpretation that I personally believe convicted by the Holy Spirit is the most in line with the entirety of Scripture. This view looks at the book of Revelation in four parts. The first part is this. It begins with the revelation of the glorified Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ encompasses not only the whole book of Revelation, but the whole Bible as a whole. It's all about Jesus Christ. He is the centerpiece. You cannot, you cannot get away from that. If the idea of Jesus Christ gets old to you, if you ever come in here with a heart crusty, like, I don't want to hear about the cross. I don't want to hear about him dying on the cross for my sins. It's old. I know it already. Then you have to check yourself because it should be an ongoing love relationship where the more you have this relationship with Jesus Christ, the more you become enamored by the fact that he was willing to give of himself for you and I, a wretched sinner that don't deserve anything good. We deserve the wrath of God, full strength. But because he's merciful and graceful, he said, no, I love you too much. I have a place for you in heaven with me forever. No more tears, no more pain, no more crying, no more darkness. And that's because of Jesus Christ. So this is how the book of Revelation begins, with the glorified Jesus Christ. Then the whole church is brought up and the whole history of the church is given. That's where we see everything going on with the seven churches, which represent not only those churches back then, but churches throughout all time. And we can see the conditions of every church in those seven amongst churches that claim their churches today. We see it clear as day. Then after that chapter, chapter three, the church is gone. The rapture occurs off to heaven with the bridegroom. But will return again with Christ as he establishes his earthly kingdom for a thousand year period. That's what happens next. And then the fourth part, as, as this view breaks it down, there will be a time of testing. And at the end of that time, Satan will be released for a brief season. Then the final rebellion will be put down forever and eternity will begin. That is, that is what we see encompassed in, in, if you take chunks of the book of Revelation. Okay? We, we have to be extremely careful in how we interpret the meaning of Scripture. Because it's easy to misconstrue it and to twist it into what we want it to be. But we want the scripture to speak for itself. That's why, honestly, the job of a, the pastor is simple in the sense of teaching and preaching. Because all I'm doing is sharing what God has already shown me. I don't, I'm not adding things to it. I'm just, re, I'm just sharing what has been already revealed to me. Again, a revelation of what God has shown me. It has been said by uh, the pastor of the pilgrims when they came to America that, that uh, this man had said, The Lord has more truth to bring forth from his holy word. Meaning what they understood was not the end all. It wasn't it. There was more truth that was going to be revealed. This is spot on because every day the Lord is revealing more and more of his godly counsel to us. And that's how you get to the book of Revelation, because things are continuing to being revealed. Uh, uh, Jesus is continuing to be revealed to all people. Now, it's upon a person responding to the conviction that God sends out that they would bend their knee and turn from their sin. But nonetheless, God is constantly revealing himself to the world. You see, but these truths only come from a correct interpretation of the word of God. Like I said before, not from some dream, not from some vision, not some not from some new religion. There's all kind of stuff popping up right now. I mean, it's just crazy the amount of people who are taking the Bible into their own hands and picking and choosing what they want to believe. And they're and they're shoveling it off to people as it's truth. But it's not. Again, the book of Revelation is all about the revelation of Jesus Christ to all humanity. If we can settle on that, oh man, it's going to be a blast. But if we have a problem with that, then it's going to be very difficult to get through this study. Because you're going to be met at every front with opposition. Because it's all about Jesus. 
You see, in the Gospels, we see Jesus Christ in his humanity, 100% man and 100% God. When he was on earth in the flesh, that's how we see him in the Gospels, right? We see him as the humble, meek, spotless lamb coming to die on the cross to take away the sins of the world. That is how, that is how the Gospels depict Jesus Christ. You see, but the Gospels don't give the full revelation of God. But here in Revelation, we will see him in all of his glory, in all of his splendor, in all of his righteousness. He will be seen. Although he is still the Lamb of God, his righteous wrath will be revealed. You see, when, when he speaks in wrath, his perfect righteous judgment will begin upon the earth. We will see him in full command. Not that he has ever not been in full command. Not, not ever taking away from his sovereignty. But understanding that this is him revealing his entire glory to the world. You see, but in the book of Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ is the foundation upon which everything that's lasting is built. Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 and 11 tell us this. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, whether they willingly do it or they're forced to do it, everyone will understand who Jesus Christ is at this time that is coming in the future. You see, those who have responded to the gospel with faith and repentance will do so gladly and willingly. Those who have hardened their hearts to the call of the gospel will do so with great trembling. We will get into where uh, the book of Revelation talks about the leaders of the earth are, are, are pleading for the mountains to, to fall down and crush them. It's not necessarily that they want to die because no one wants to die. It's they don't want to face the glory of God. They don't want to face the righteousness of Jesus Christ for their wickedness and their sinful hearts that are in rebellion to God, in direct opposition to Him. They can't face that righteous holiness. And so they ask the mountains to crush them, crumble them, hide me. It's just another analogy of the fig leaf. Adam said, oh, I'm naked. <laughs> hide my private from <laughs> with the fig leaf. Why? Because he was ashamed. They're ashamed. But it will not be a fig leaf this time. It will be mountains. They are asking to cover them. I already talked about the headless church. You know, we, we, we don't need a counterfeit gospel. We don't need our own ideologies about what we think Jesus, who we think Jesus Christ is. We don't need new age philosophy. You know, philosophy is interesting. You see, philosophy is creations, man, woman's, whatever, humans' understanding of what the world is, trying to make sense of what this is all about. That's philosophy. Oh, I will philosophize about what this divine spirit is, what who this being of God is, what does all this mean, gravity, this and that, science, right? There's so much philosophy. Go to any college campus, many philosophers, and I'm not making fun, but it's man's wisdom. Whereas revelation is the revealing of God to himself from, of, of who he is to mankind. The big difference from philosophy to revelation. We need revelation of who God is. And that's free of charge. <laughs> you don't got to put your house up and be in debt $100,000 to go to Stanford for a semester. 
to get your degree to be a philosophy major. You could just open up, crack open the Word of God, actually start on your knees, ask God for wisdom, direction, and vision, and He will lead you to the Scriptures, and He will reveal His truth to you. Wow! I get a revelation of God for free, and I get to keep that money? Now I'm not knocking college. You know, college is a good thing. Education is a good thing. Knowledge is a good thing. Let it have its place, though. Let not knowledge run rampant, because then all you got is a fat big head running around thinking you know everything, and most of it is garbage anyways, because it's man's ideas. Get wisdom. Get wisdom, insight. What did Solomon do? I just want to be wise, Lord. Give me your wisdom so I can live as a wise person. We should have hope then, because even as wise as Solomon was, man, he had way too many wives. That was, <laughs> I'm not knocking, I'm just saying, right? So there's hope for us. Ask for God's wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you insight. Man, you'll, you'll, you'll bask in it, and, and, and you'll live head and shoulders above all this nonsense that, that we're trudging through in this world. But we need this revelation of God, his revealing of himself to us, his principles, his ways. So we can live in accordance the right way. We know that the Bible is the manual to life. So, so we need to take heart to whatever he unveils to us so that we can live in accordance and live right. You know, you wouldn't pour sugar into a Chevy, right? Because it's not going to run. You know, it's not going to run correctly. You're not going to put Clorox bleach in the tank because the manual says you need to put a certain type of gas in there for the car to run right. Right, excuse me. The same thing goes for our lives. This manual tells us how to live. It shows us the best way we can operate. And so we need to take heed to the Word of God. It is the roadmap, if you will, to live a righteous, successful life. Not by the world's standards, because you might be poor, broke. But it doesn't mean you're not living in the Lord's righteousness. All right, these are kind of, again, I just want to break this down quickly because this is what we can look forward to as far as as we at a snail's pace (laughs) begin to unpack week by week Lord willing this book so chapter one again it's all about Christ and his glory that's what we're going to see look forward to that chapter two and three are going to be all about Jesus Christ is possession, the church, that's us. That's what we're going to find out in those chapters. Chapter 4 through 5 will describe the church as we go to heaven, as we ascend to heaven, or as we get rapture, and we are no longer in this earth. That's when it's really going to get bad. Um, you know, the only that are going to be saved are, are, are many uh, Jews that are still here, and uh, maybe some people that, however the Lord sees fit, uh, gets them, you know, impresses upon them conviction so they can be saved. Then chapters 6 through 18, this is the great tribulation that it takes place upon the earth. And that's where, again, it gets sideways and kooky because people start saying all kind of different stuff about these bowls and these seals being popped off. And they make such a big deal about that where, yes, God's wrath is important. But again, what is the main focus? It's about Jesus. And it's about this is how, if anything, it should strike us. This is how deadly sin is. This is how of an abomination sin is to God, an affront to God, that he would administer this wrath unto creation. Man, that should make you tremble in a, right, in, in, in a, in a reverent way because it's like, God's like, dude, I can't even look upon this. This, this way that uh, my creation chooses to live, I have to administer righteous judgment. And so I'm going to allow these certain things to come about. Like, man, you're turning the whole earth's water to blood? That's just, I I don't like the smell of iron, and I couldn't imagine (laughs) what it's going to smell like when all that rancid blood is all throughout every wall. I mean, it's enough to make somebody throw up and puke and just be done right there. But, I mean, it's, it all comes back to this is what sin does, and this is how much God hates sin. You understand that hate is okay, right? You understand that anger is okay, right? It's just a righteous anger, a righteous hate. We should not be okay with sin. We should not be okay with evil. We should not tolerate that in our lives. There should be a righteous anger towards hate. There should be a righteous anger towards sin. You should hate the sin in your own life. I hate the sin in my own life. I hate it. When I sin and I'm willfully understanding that I just sinned and messed up, I'm like, dude, I 
my flesh, like I hate it. It grieves me because I'm like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like how it affects people around me. We know that everything that we do has an effect, right? Cause and effect is real. And so I share that to say that have a righteous anger, just don't sin. Chapter 19, Jesus will return to earth to establish his kingdom. Chapter 20 gives us the thousand year reign of Christ on earth as we will be with the bridegroom, reigning with him upon this earth. Then chapter 20 through 22, the great white throne judgment will happen and eternity will begin. This is a breakdown of what we will be looking forward to in this book. And I encourage you to study out some of this on your own personal time. Again, it will point you to the Old Testament prophecies that reveal that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And I pray that you would grow in this and be encouraged in this and just be wowed by how much God loves you and how much, uh, I mean, he's on point he is. It's just, it just all pieces together perfectly. You cannot, uh, you cannot take it away from itself because it all is one in the same. Um, you know, as you notice, the last book in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, Right. The book of Malachi closes with the mention of the son of righteousness that has yet to arise. It also speaks of a cursed earth and the hope of the Messiah's return. You see, Revelation closes with Jesus Christ reigning, taking his bride, the church, out from the world. The rapture is the hope of the New Testament as the revelation of Christ was the hope of the Old Testament. So again, we see how these all, all these pieces fit together. The book of Revelation will complete the full revelation or the full revealing of who Jesus Christ is. I'm going to close with these thoughts. Notice that there's a direct tie between the book of Genesis and the book of Revelation. All right. There's a there's quite a few, but I, I, I was impressed that it was important that I share this so we can see crystal crystal clear the entirety of the Bible and how it all runs through Christ. So in Genesis, the book of Genesis presents the beginning. Right. You've heard it said before, if you struggle with Genesis chapter one, one, you just <laughs> it's going to be hard. And in the beginning, God, oh, I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't stomach that. It's got to be something else. It's got to be some evolutionary thing that, you know, we spawn from this and that and, you know, monkeys or whatever. It's like, no, in the beginning, God. Well, Revelation presents the end. God says, this is the end. We're moving into eternity forever. You know, as many zeros as you could ever count. Where that's, that's where we're going. How space continues to expand. The universe continues to expand. Scientists are boggled by this. They can't figure it out. The smartest man in NASA can't figure it out. The smartest biochemist with a triple PhD can't figure it out. God says, this is the end of this world. That's what Revelation says. In Genesis, the earth was created. In the book of Revelation, the earth will pass away. In Genesis was Satan's first rebellion. In the book of Revelation, it will be Satan's last rebellion. In the book of Genesis, the sun, the moon, and the stars were earth's government, if you will. They governed over the land. In Revelation, those same elements are used for earth's judgment. Oh, man. There's a connection there, right? In Genesis, the sun governs the day. In the book of Revelation, there will eventually be no need for a physical sun in the solar system. That will be gone. There will be no more sun. All the kids' copper tone I put on or banana boat is not going to be needed. You're not going to burn up because there will be no sun, S-U-N. In the book of Genesis, darkness was called night. Eventually, in the book of Revelation, there will be no night. You understand when we go to be in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no night. You won't need a nightlight. <laughs> you will not stumble your big toe hitting something as you go to the restroom. There's no more night. There's no more need for that. That whole, that whole concept is gone. 
That whole concept is gone. In Genesis, the waters are called seas. In the book of Revelation, eventually there will be no more seas. It will be a city, the New Jerusalem, a city that we will live in. It will not be water. So all you water people, I'm sorry. I don't know. Who knows? God's infinite. Maybe he will do something that we don't know about. But from what I see in Scripture, there is no seas in the book of Revelation. In the book of Genesis, it was an introduction to sin. In the book of Revelation, it is the end of sin. No more. In the book of Genesis, the curse was brought into the world. In the book of Revelation, the curse will be removed forever. In the book of Genesis, death entered. In the book of Revelation, death will be no more. Oh, won't that be a sweet thing to so many people? No more distant pain, having to agonize over your loved ones who have gone. But we will be ultimately unified in Christ. And that is to his glory. And there will be peace, joy forever. In Genesis was the beginning of sorrow and suffering. Oh, could you imagine being there and understanding, man, because of this decision that I made, now I got to sweat to work. I gotta, I, I have to work hard and it's not going to be enjoyable. It's going to be difficult. And as for a woman, I have to uh, endure much pain to bring forth children, that sorrow and that suffering. And most importantly, that disconnect between me and God because of sin. That all happened in Genesis. Whereas in the book of Revelation, there will be no more sorrow or tears. Uh, you don't have to tear no more. You might cry tears of joy before your Lord, but you are not going to be crying tears of sorrow or shame or guilt. None of that will be around anymore. In Genesis was the marriage of the first Adam. In the book of Revelation is the marriage of the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ, our bridegroom. <laughs> that, that illustration, right, is so beautiful. In Genesis was man's city Babylon being built. In the book of Revelation, man's city Babylon is destroyed. And God's city, the new Jerusalem, will be erected and will be forever. In Genesis, Satan's doom is pronounced. In Revelation, Satan's doom will ultimately be executed. <clears throat> In the beginning of the Bible begins with God as the creator of all things. And the Bible ends in the same way. Genesis chapter 1, 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Revelation chapter 22 verses 18 and 19 tell us this. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book, of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. May we be encouraged to remember it's all about having a growing, lasting, fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we understand that's the most important thing? He don't care about the tithes. He don't care about the offerings. He don't care about my preaching. He don't care about all this other stuff. It's the relationship. That's what he desires the most. That's why he gave his son. So let, let us not neglect that relationship with God. You see, because the book of Revelation all centers around Jesus and how Jesus came for you and for me. And may we revel in that. May we find our peace and our rest in that. Our comfort, our hope. Knowing that you're on the winning team and you have a God that will go before you and he's already fought for you. To the death. Oh man. And now you have that ultimate privilege and responsibility of sharing that love in a godly way, in a righteous, humble, meek way to those around you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
for the great privilege to be saved. Thank you that the eyes of our hearts are no longer darkened by the wicked things of this world or even of ourselves, but we've seen your goodness and we can attest to your greatness. Father, I ask that there be an anointing upon this body of yours, that as we go through week by week in this book of things revealed, that you would bless us with the wisdom to understand. May you help us to rightfully divide your word. May your people see these things happening day by day before their eyes. Most importantly, may they see your presence in their lives and how much you love them. The book of Revelation is not something to fear, at least not for those who believe and trust in you. But as we learn more about who you are throughout your whole Bible, may you light a fire in our hearts for people around us that are dying on their way to hell. May we not be shaken by our society or the things going on in the world, but may we be grounded and rooted in the truth of who Jesus Christ is. May you use us to administer justice and truth. May we stand up for righteousness for your name's sake. In the authority of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.